Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. WNBA star Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia. The Russian invasion of Ukraine. We're now 10 months into this. It's failed to do what it set out to do. Russia has failed. Drugs, crime, and gangs. Record number of people pouring into our communities is a disgrace. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a political trivia Thursday. Lots to talk about, and it's nice to start out with some good news. Good news for Eastern North Carolina. Good news for the men and women serving in our military. On the phone with us right now to talk about it is Representative Greg Murphy, who represents North Carolina's 3rd Congressional District in the U.S. House. Um, Dr. Murphy, Representative Murphy, welcome back to uh, News and Views. Good to have you with us. And some good news, not only in terms of dollars for Eastern North Carolina, but also in terms of this COVID vaccine. Yeah, uh, Tom, thanks again for having me. Uh, Nice to talk with you again. It was a really, it it was a great victory in so many different aspects. Um, You know, we got $190 million for Camp Lejeune, Cherry Point, uh, New River Air Station for desperately needed construction projects. And we got a 4.6% raise uh, for our service members, a, def- a, a desperately needed um, a show of appreciation. And then um, the release of this unbelievable vaccine. I'll just take a little aside here as a physician. I thoroughly and absolutely understand the need for mission readiness to make sure everybody is as healthy as possible. However, studies have shown um, that the risks of this vaccine are not small in that particular age group population and uh, compared to some of the other risks. And now that they're therapeutics, they're medicines that people can take, pills, that if they were to get COVID-19, there's no uh, reason, in my opinion, uh, to push this on service members who, for either medical or religious reasons, do not want this. And so I think it's a major victory. It's one that should have happened long ago. Um, but it's uh, something that's very, very important, especially in light of how they treat this and, uh, and keep, our, uh, keep our soldiers and Marines healthy. Is there anything in the bill uh, concerning the service members who have already been discharged about bringing them back into the service? No, they're, uh, that's in negotiation. That's in negotiation. And um, I personally... We would it all along and at some point and then begging our uh, former members to come back. Hopefully some will. I, I think a large number will not. And sadly enough, our, uh, our, our readiness, I was talking with Ray Celeste, who is our, is my uh, military uh, liaison uh, on staff who uh, does our military affairs. He said that our, our service is essentially 25% down than what it should be for readiness. 25%. Mm-hmm. Recruiting numbers are way off. Numbers of people going to the academy, um, uh, applying for the academies have dropped because of some of the nonsense, not only with this vaccine mandates, but some of the absolute nonsense of woke that's been going on in our military. It's a, it's a national, international embarrassment. But uh, we, we need to get our forces back up the steam, especially in light of what's going on around the world. This $190 million that's going to come in uh, to eastern North Carolina, a lot of that will be construction at Cherry Point and uh, New River. 
and down yeah. to Camp Lejeune. What what is the uh, impact beyond um, beyond the military bases? What kind of an impact is that going to have on those communities? Well, it's going to have a large impact. And one thing also, um, Tom, is that there's a five hundred million dollar additional allowance, um, housing allowance, um, in this in this bill because so many of our young Marines, young soldiers, young sailors in communities are. So if we can't if we can't house the people that are serving our country, um, regardless if it's in you know in uh, Onslow County or anywhere, um, they're in a really difficult situation. Also, there's another 250 million um, that goes to help the prices in commissaries and stuff. Um, you know the inflation has just killed everybody, um, but this is important that we support those who uh, literally sacrifice for our freedom. So those are the other things, not only building projects that we have, uh, you know, in our district, which is going to be, you know, great for jobs and the ancillary things that go with it, um, but also just nationally to be able to allow our soldiers and Marines to uh, basically survive, you know, be able to afford things these days. When will this take effect? For example, when will the, when will the uh, servicemen and women see this pay increase? You know, I'm not exactly sure of that, Tom. I'll have to – I don't remember seeing, honestly, a, an implementation date. But it's definitely going to be in the – is my understanding in the first quarter. Okay. Okay. Well, that is that is uh, – <laughs> you've got a lot of uh, happy uh, constituents in eastern North Carolina tonight, uh, Dr. Murphy. Hey, let me yeah, ask – you know – Go I, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to change subjects, so I'm going to let you finish up on this. Well, I just going back to the vaccine mandate, you know, I, I get it. I, you know, I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm also uh, with it with a uh, with a smart eye. I think if you look at countries like Sweden, which got absolutely um, attacked worldwide for the way they approach uh, the pandemic, they've turned out, you know, they put their elderly away. They made sure that their the vaccines were applied to those most at high risk. They let their kids go to school. They've turned out to really be, I think, I believe it was 63 in the world in per capita deaths and so many other things. The kids aren't so far behind in school. I understand the need for vaccines in the military, for readiness and all those things. But in this age and in this population, science tells us otherwise, especially, especially now since there are pills that somebody can take, which decreases the symptoms, just like the vaccine is supposed to do. And sadly enough, Tom, you know, um, the CDC even reported in August a higher percentage of individuals died who had been vaccinated and boosted for the first time than those who had been unvaccinated. So vaccine, but it's also we have to step back and see how this was so politicized and actually look at get back to science being scientific rather than being politically uh, politically biased. Was this part of the bill? Was was there some heavy confrontational debate on this from the other side of the aisle? Yeah, actually, Kevin McCarthy uh, went toe to toe with Biden and said, "We're not supporting this unless the vaccine mandate is uh, is taken out." And General Austin, uh, was, Biden said, "Okay." General Austin, you know, the head of, head of uh, uh, Armed Services uh, right. of the, of, I'm sorry, Secretary of Defense, rather, right. was adamantly against this happening, but but he lost. So, um, you know, hats off. Kevin McCarthy was able to secure this. It should have been done, as I said, long ago. So, How many, just curious, do you, know, do you remember how many Democrats came over and voted with Republicans? Um, this, uh, for the whole bill, um, 
you know, there were probably an equal number of Democrats and Republicans that did not vote for the bill. About 25, I believe, on each side. I can't remember exactly what the screen showed right at the end. And so, you know, you have the Rashid Tlaibs and, the, and those like that want to see this country as weak as possible. And yeah. so some did not, uh, you know, some Democrat or some Republicans did not vote for it for certain reasons. Um, but it passed with uh, bipartisan support. Let me uh, change subjects. The Your thoughts concerning the Biden administration swapping Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer known as the Merchant of Death for WNBA player Brittany Griner, while U.S. Marine Paul uh, Whelan remains falsely imprisoned. Uh, your, your thoughts on this now, obviously, we're happy to see Brittany Griner uh, achieve her freedom and on her way home, but was this worth? Was this a, a, a trade that was first of all was it equitable, and secondly, does this endanger Americans abroad? Absolutely not equitable. Um, she broke Russian law, albeit you know a minor offense, and I think her sentence far outweighed or uh, was in uh, definite out of proportion. For what she did, but it, it's infuriating on a couple different grounds. And again, glad for her to come back home. But um, I hope she will come back with a different heart in her uh, attacking America. Let's just put it that way. What she did beforehand, I I, uh, I hope she does that. But here we are. We traded her for a Russian arms dealer, while we leave a Marine. The United States Marine who has been rotting in Russian prisons for four years. Yep. We leave him back there. This is an absolute unequal um, exchange. And it was obviously politically motivated uh, by Biden, which he doesn't do anything without being politically motivated. Um, and I, I, uh, I'm really uh, happy for her, but honestly, very upset of the, uh, the disproportion of what has occurred. And again, does this endanger uh, Americans abroad? I mean, if if listen, if if Russia and for that matter other countries, it's like if you want to get a jail, uh, get out a free jail card and get one of your bad guys back, uh, get their freedom, go kidnap an American, especially a yeah. uh, American that's got some notoriety like uh, Grainer. Absolutely, absolutely. It you know th- this administration has done nothing but compromise the American stance abroad. In almost every aspect, economically, militarily, intelligence-wise, everything. And this uh, this does. This is an example that will a lesser crime for a horribly dangerous crime uh, individual and send him back to Russia, while our own marine, our own marine sits in uh, sits in jail and has done so for four years, and we get this gal out after just a few months. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. It, uh, it it part of it. Part of it. Seats, uh, does not sit well with me at all. Well, uh, it's not going to sit well with a lot of Eastern North Carolina uh, residents and voters. Uh, real quick, the Respect for Marriage Act passed the House today. It will go to Biden's desk for signature. You, along with the North Carolina congressional delegation uh, in the House, voted uh, against the bill. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, Tom, I look at this a different way. I'm not saying that Gay individuals can't have affection for one another. That's not what this is about. Um, I believe that marriage is a biblical institution. I also believe that there were no protections whatsoever in this bill for religious institutions who do not um, believe um, in gay marriage or anything of that sort. 
So, you know, this is where the left or rather really the gay community is pushing um, what they believe left, honestly, on on uh, America and not uh, not allowing people to say disagree with it. It's not that you disagree with folks being gay, but it has to be there has to be some understanding that people may feel differently and that religious institutions should not be forced um, to uh, to abide by this. And I think that's wrong. You know, if it were flipped the other way around, they'd be screaming holy high heaven. And so um, it's uh, it's very, very, again, disproportional in so many regards. So I voted against it. I didn't feel it's right. Well, by the way, uh, if you get home and go online and read the uh, News and Observer, uh, the the strong, strong insinuation is that uh, you are also you're, you're against interracial marriage. That's how they frame this. By by saying this. Yeah, yeah. By by voting against the Respect for Marriage Act, what they've done is oh. they they've intertwined in there that because I think somewhere in the bill it talks about inter, uh, interracial marriage, and that that was pretty much the headline out of the News and Observer. Not you personally, well, but they they talked yeah. about Ted Budd and the and the North Carolina congressional de- delegation voting a, against interracial marriage. Which yeah, is, you know, uh, Tom, I grew up in Raleigh and read the News and Observer every day when I was growing up, and it's an absolute embarrassment at the uh, editorial board, the way they are now. Um, they're, they're, absolute, they're absolutely an embarrassment. So anything that they say or WRAL says are flat, flat distortions and spins about what reality is. And so they're, and no wonder they're... Uh, they're readership has plummeted and everything else and so it's they're, they're just an embarrassment no they're surprise there yeah. hey yeah. we haven't talked yeah. since the election your thoughts primarily as you look at the reflection uh, as you reflect upon the election i should say as it relates to republican leadership and now that republicans are in the majority uh committees and uh, committee assignments uh, how does that all look uh, going into next month yeah, we. Um, I think it was good. We got a majority. It obviously was not by the uh, the numbers that we had hoped for. A lot of factors went into that. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but uh, you know, the whole thing right now is who's going to be the speaker. Um, and I, I will tell you, uh, I have to uh, tip my hat to the way that Kevin McCarthy and kind of the leader of the opposition, if you will, Chip Roy, have handled this. Um, we have had some excellent excellent hard and very frank discussions which have not had any name calling no banging of the gavel or any of those things um where um i think kev has really really listened to the concerns of the several individuals who have voiced them and for the most part um and chip roy was kind of a leader amongst us i think we've made some tremendous uh tremendous acts uh, growth towards really what people want to speak there are a couple people that I, I'm, they just don't want uh, McCarthy, and they don't. You say, "Well, who do you want?" Well, I don't know anything, but well, okay, why? I don't know. I just anything, but but that's just that's just a couple of the people. Uh, an excellent exercise in um, just how we get things done as a caucus together. So I, I applauded both of them for doing it. I really, uh, I really thought it was very well. Spoken with several of the other members um, who had an issue with McCarthy. It's not so much, honestly, an issue with McCarthy. It's been more of an issue with the process of uh, what's been going on and that they feel like there should be more mem- voice of membership. And I, I applaud that effort. I, I agree with it completely. Do you so, th- and uh, so go ahead. Do you think there's going to be changes at like the RNC and other positions of uh, in, in terms of how the party 
as as a whole is run? Absolutely. I mean, we've already seen that <clears throat> just in our conferences already. Um, absolute change. There's much more time for just the rank and file member interaction discussion. Um, and so without a doubt, we'll be able to, you know, achieve very, very good things. And so um, I'm actually very, very excited about it. I think we, uh, we will do a good job in the next two years uh, with what we've been given. Well, congratulations on your reelection, and uh, we look forward to the fact that the Republican Party is now in the majority. Do you think your committee assignments will change next year? No, no. I'm, uh, you know, I'm very lucky, Tom. I'm on the the top committee in Congress, and uh, was very lucky to be able to do that as a as a freshman in the minority. And there is no no uh, no reason for me to change committees. Now that said. When I went on to this top committee, you have to, uh, you know, give up your membership of other committees. And I've made it very clear um, that I would like I'm trying to get a waiver to get back on Veterans Affairs because it's so crucial. And I have the support of the upcoming chairman of Veterans Affairs wants me back on. I've spoken with McCarthy. I've spoken with many members of the steering committee in one fashion or the other uh, to get back on there. And it's purely a numbers issue. And, um, you know, I've, I've still continue to work with our Veterans Affairs Committee because it's so crucial for our district. But just kind of codifying membership back there um, so I'd be a voting member um, is what I'm trying to aim for. So we'll see how it happens. And, uh, you know, we'll still keep fighting for, for all our military, you know, active and, uh, and retired veterans. Well, I must say you sound optimistic, which is refreshing. Because <laughs> and when you look at politics over the last month, there's been a lot of pessimism, but uh, you do sound rather optimistic as you're going well, into the new I'm year. I'm a realist, Tom. I'm also a realist. I, you know, I, I don't like the way this country is going. And, uh, you know, I went to the, uh, the COP27, the uh, energy uh, uh, conference in Egypt last right. month, because I want there needs to be a conservative voice there. We can't just cede this to there. And... Uh, uh, we met our, our contingent of five or six uh, uh, Republican congressmen. We've met with different people, the Taiwanese, the Japanese, the Australians, and even had a meeting with John Kerry. And I asked him some pretty damn hard questions. Um, basically, you know, how are you going to get the environmentalists on the left to allow any of this to be done? Because if not, we're just honestly, um, you know, throwing things into the breeze. Um, if you say anything of what's going on. And I also ask hard scientific questions um, because I think a lot of the premises there are incorrect. You know, climate's changed forever. And, um, so it's, it, you have to have a conservative voice. You can't just seed this whole thing without some type of rebuttal. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in there and ask hard questions. Well, you got my curiosity up now. What kind of response did you get from John Kerry? Oh, it was interesting because uh, – I said I said two things, actually. I said uh, the environmentalist issue. And then I said, you know, we can do everything. We can bankrupt America. He started bringing up reparations to all these other countries. And I just said, absolutely not. Um, and I said, all right, so you're not only going to have to get the environmentalists on board who basically sue, 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 save the whale, save the snail, save every tree. Um, and if, if they're going to do this, then anything you ever want to uh, do is absolutely not going to happen. And the second thing is, regardless of what we've happening, the Paris Climate Accord allowed, permitted China to continue to con- construct coal plants. Right. They did 10 this, 10 this past year. 
they're 29 on uh, on the planning board to continue to do this for another decade, yep. another decade while we while we scrimp and and cut our emissions, they're going to be growing. And the same thing with India. I said, how do you even think that this is possible? And basically, put his head down. Well, we're just trying to do what we can. So you know, it just shows to me he was not a very very uh, hard charging negotiator. Um, and so I think, again, we have to have conservatives at the table to ask hard questions if this administration is not going to. So, well, is, you know. is, the, is the issue the environment or is the issue the redistribution of wealth from the United States to other countries around the world? It's all of them. It's all of them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know they're, they're, they bring up the, – their whole mantra is everybody's a victim. Everybody's a victim. Yeah. And, you know, you think about T- Tahiti and all the other countries where if there is sea level rise, they'll be threatened. Well, yes, you're right. You're right. Um, but did we cause that? The United States, did every industrialized nation cause that? Or and we'll and we pay all these trillions and trillions of dollars and China and India don't do anything and they still make it worse. How is that going to help any problem whatsoever? So um, it's again, you, you they only paint one side of the story, so it's up to us as conservatives to put the light of day to the other side. I gave a hard-charging uh, interview with the New York Times, but amazingly, they never published it. And uh, <laughs> well, There's a said, shocker. He, he, he said, uh, well, gosh, thank you for being so frank. And, well, you know, that's, that's what it is. But amazingly, yeah. they never published it. Yeah. So. Well, you and I know why. So, yeah, Congressman absolutely. Murphy, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, listen, travel safe and uh, look forward to having you back in the district. Hope you have a great uh, Christmas holiday and uh, my best to uh, you, your family as well. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your staff, too. It's just a, uh, a great staff, always very helpful when we want to get we, in touch we with We really you. do have a great staff. Well, God bless. And everybody, I hope they have a wonderful Merry Christmas and holiday season. Thank you, Greg. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right, stay with us. More news and views coming up. We'll be right back.